Hello and welcome to the Master of Demon Gorge podcast. Today we're talking about the founding myth of China. Alice, you're a journalist here in Taiwan, so you must have followed this uh, news、uh, a few weeks ago when the KMT, the、uh, leading opposition political party right now. Uh, elected its new chairman. Yeah. Yeah.、Uh, a guy named、uh, Eric Chu. Eric Chu. Yeah.、Mm. Uh, Chu Lilun. Chu Lilun.、Uh, right. Yeah. And、um, uh, you must have seen this. The 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 leader of the PRC,、mm-hmm. Xi Jinping, sent him a congratulatory letter. Oh yeah. Right. Which in then, a very very high level Chinese. It's as which right in sort of semi-classical Chinese, as formal correspondence among dignified people are supposed to supposed to be like even now, despite the Baihua movement, despite the the modernization movement. That's how you're supposed to write a letter when it's kind of a serious letter. And so, uh, uh, Mr. Chu then responded with his own very formal letter written in semi-classical Chinese. And、I don't know if you called this. There's a there's a phrase he used, where he said,、um, essentially, you know, let's not fight because the two sides. Let's not fight because we're both Yan Huang Zi Sun. Hmm. The 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 descendant of the Yellow Emperor. The yes, the children. We're, we're both children of the Yellow Emperor.、Mm. Although it's a bit, it's a bit more complicated. His Yan, so、mm. Huang is yellow.、Mm. So Zi Sun children Huang. So. Children of the Yellow Emperor, but also children of the、uh, the Red Emperor. The Red Emperor. Or well, Yan. It can be translated as、uh, fiery flame, fire.、Uh, by extension, it also means red.、Mm. So the, the, he he was another figure from.、Um, that's what that's what we're going to get into today. Who was the Yellow Emperor and who was the Red Emperor, as it were, or the Fiery Emperor? Yan Di Huang Di, but the, this this is a standard formal、uh, formulation, standard formula. Yan Huang Zi Sun, the children of the red and yellow emperors,、mm. is a term,、uh, a, a phrase that、um, means the Chinese.、Um, and、um, uh, so we're going to get into that. Where, where did that phrase come from? And what does it really mean? It traces back to. Foundation myth. Because what I understand after Yellow Emperor is that it was so long ago that we don't even know if he existed or not. Right. It's a myth, right? It's right. So, so this phrase, Yan Huangzi, so the children of the, the Red and Yellow Emperors, refers all the way back to the mythic founding of China. So you're right. All the sources, all the written sources, that discuss. The the、uh, individuals we're going to talk about today are from all the sources were really from the Spring and Autumn Warring States period, so the third century, a th- a third millennium BC, two thousand five hundred years ago, two thousand you know around that around that time period. But the people they're talking about supposedly lived around twenty seven hundred BC,、mm. so another two thousand years before.、Mm. So, it would be like, you know, us writing books about people who lived in the time of Jesus.、Mm. It's like that's how far removed 
the, the sources really are from the yeah. people they're supposedly talking about. Mm. So, of course, we can't really consider this history, mm. um, but it is um, uh, the fact that it is the it is part of the myth, the part of the mythology of what makes China China, or you know the, the way the Chinese imagine themselves. And actually, that that term is important. The way they imagine themselves. Uh, I, th I think throughout this whole episode, let's remember Benedict Anderson's phrase: "Imagined communities, all nations, all all races, all peoples are imagined communities." You are a, you are a people because you imagine yourselves to be so, mm. and there has to be something. Something has to support that imagination, but ultimately it is just imagination. Why why are the French French? You know why are the you know why are Australians mm. Australians? You imagine that yeah, there's yeah. something in common mm. among a lot of you, and uh, and you just roll with it. Collective consciousness. Some kind of well, you you have you have certain ideas mm. certain certain myths essentially that you have to sort of buy into yeah so we're talking about so today we're talking about the founding myth of china mm. so the the story goes that um and and so <laughs> some people have done over the centuries you know some people have tried to fix pretty precise dates on these things which Again, like, eh, can you really do that with ancient mythology? This is a bit like that Christian bishop who uh, worked out that the creation of the world happened and, and happened in 4004 BC, exactly. It's mm. like, mm, you sure about that? You sure about that? Sure, it's not 4003. Yeah, there was there was a, there was a Christian bishop I think who did that. Anyway, so so the Yellow Emperor was, according to some. Born in 2711 BC. <laughs> very okay. precise, very precise. But all right, well, well it, around that time period. And he was said to have been born already a prince. He was born the son of a king of Yoshongguo, a country named Yoshong. Now, this tells us a lot. Yoshong means having a bear. Having a bear. <laughs> Yoshong. Yeah. <laughs> Having bear. Okay, literally. Literally having bear. Now, so already we see that really we say the Yellow Emperor was kind of the mythic founder of China, but already you see he's being he's born into already a structured society, mm. right? And we we can already sort of tell quite a bit from this story, so that um, the ancient uh, what well, it was called the Guo country. But really, we should probably understand this as a tribe. Mm. This is so far, so long ago, we're ta really talking about tribal society, a, a tribal society. And its name tells us something in that um, the ancient uh, uh, Chinese tribes actually had uh, animal totems, such as bears, tigers, and so on, not yet a dragon. And so we can understand the Yellow Emperor and his father as originally leader of a tribe among many tribes. And so, um, so really, the uh, quote unquote China, or the this, this small segment of what is now China, where these tribes lived, um, uh, there were many tribes. 
And um, uh, we're really talking about how these tribes come together to begin to form what they imagine themselves to be a new uh, combined community, right? A new combined people. So, uh, actually, my years ago, I remember um, uh, being at a lecture by Professor Jonathan Spence of Yale University, who is, of course, a leading authority on Chinese history. And I remember him saying, if I were starting out today as a young man, I would go into archaeology because there's so many uh, new archaeological discoveries now, <clears throat> starting in the 90s, yeah, um, where a lot of these uh, myths that we're talking about, they were just myths before. There was, there was no nothing, nothing much to support them. And then now, increasingly, archaeologists are digging up new things, mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, well, maybe this is... You know, maybe this is this tribe that they were talking about. Maybe this is, maybe these these are the uh, remains of so and so culture that we heard about, or um, we're beginning to be able to. We're only just starting to be able to uh, be more scientific about the the, the the picture that we saw, that um, the the picture we got from myth of what ancient ancient China was like. But in any event, tribes. And so uh, the tribes had animal totems like bears, and, and so the original totem of the tribe of the Yellow Emperor must have been a bear, right? Because <laughs> it was the country with the bear. And then uh, uh, his the, 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 the sources conflict quite a bit. So uh, his father may have had a son, another son, so this may be his brother, who came to be called Yan Di, the mm. fiery emperor, or the red emperor. The fire, the, um, uh, and, they, and the yellow emperor and the red emperor fought each other first. So there must have been some kind of political dispute among the tribes. And some of the tribes uh, were under the yellow emperor's leadership, and some followed his brother. And they had a fight, they had, they had a battle, and the, the Yellow Emperor won. And uh, essentially the two alliances, the two sets of tribes, joined together. Mm. But not entirely, because these are, these are not well-organized nation-states, right? So some of the tribes, some of the people probably then, then said, Nah, I don't want to go with you guys, you know, I'm, I'm out of here. So they went and joined this other guy named Chiyo. It all? No. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, but no. <laughs> uh, homonyms, uh, right? They're, they're, not, they're not the characters you're thinking of, other different characters. Yeah, okay. I guess so. So it does not mean eat oil, no. <laughs> but his name was Chiyo. Chiyo led, in turn, his own set of alliance of tribes. And um, they are, they seem to be mostly from the south, while the Yellow Emperor and his people were from the north. By north and south, I mean, you know, the, the north would be like, today the north would be like the Yellow River uh, region, 
the south would be the Yangtze River region. Mm. So it's not really as far north or as far south as, as far south as you might imagine. Anyway, so so then a second war began. Now the Yellow Emperor and the Red Emperor are on the same side, and they have their group of tribes who are following them, and Shio leads his group of tribes, and they have a war. Now Chiyo was said to be a great warrior. Mm. In fact, some, uh, even I think even now there there are people there are there are ethnic groups in China who worship him as a god of war. Oh really? Chiyo was yeah. Chiyo was supposed to be this great great warrior. There are these myths about him, like I see something about his. Uh, his, his arms are made of copper, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like his, the stories like that, you know. Uh, and he was supposed to be able to command the fog. Mm. He had magical powers, you know. Obviously, this isn't history. Right? He had magical powers. He could he could command the fog. So when he when he fought a battle, he could confuse his enemies just by like in, enveloping them in fog, and they couldn't find each other. So. So the Yellow Emperor fought him and repeatedly lost um, until, well, two different things may have happened. Well, or neither, really, again, this myth. But we are told that two things happened. One is that he invented something. The Yellow Emperor invented this new technology. It's like a compass, mm. but it's not a compass, like it's not magnetic. It's this little vehicle uh, with a wooden figure of a man on top of it, but the the gears in the vehicle are are organized in such a way, are arranged in such a way that the little man turns as you drive the the car around, mm. as you push the car around. But no matter which how you turn it, the little man always points in the same direction. Mm. Obviously, you can lift up the car and and like. Rotate it. Then, in which case, no. But if you start, if you start with the little man pointing south,、mm-hmm. then you can push it through、uh, a, a battle, a battlefield, and you can drive it this way and that way and this way and、mm-hmm. that way. And the, the the gears will turn so that the little man is always pointing south.、Mm-hmm. So then he could find his way through the mist.、Mm-hmm. So this is. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is something interesting that you told me the other day is that、um, a compass in in Chinese、right. civilization is pointing south, and not we call how, how do we call it already in Chinese? Nan. Zhenanzhen. Zhenanzhen. Right. So the, this vehicle he invented、mm. was called the Zhenanchu,、mm. the car that points south. And then when centuries later, when the Chinese invented the compass, the magnetic compass, they call it the Zhenanzhen, the the needle that points south. Uh, well, well, of course, it actually points north.、Mm. A magnetic compass actually points north, but I, I, I'm, I'm but not sure. You know, maybe it might be a reference to the, the right, earlier、yeah. invention of the Zhenanchu.、Oh. So,、oh. right, yeah. Of course, you can. You know, the needle points. If you just use the other end of the needle as your、mm. as your reference point, okay, then it's pointing south. Whatever. So,、um, <clears throat> so the second thing that supposedly happened was that the gods, the gods intervened. In this battle,
So this is this is a lot like the Iliad, really. You know, like the ancient in ancient Greece, when the when the gods would take sides, right? Among、um, in the wars among men, the gods would take sides. So Athena, you know, would come down and help Odysseus. You know, uh, uh, the 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 the, the um, uh, uh, Venus was supposedly the, the the mother of Aeneas, so she has to go and help the Trojans, right? And and so on. So in this case, the gods intervened. They put their finger on the scale. This goddess came down from heaven. The she's called the Jiutianxuanyu, which one can translate as the the black the black lady of the nine realms. <clears throat> so she she's a she's a goddess who is actually she has a she's like a she has a human head and the body of a bird. The body of a bird. Of a, of a, of a、oh. giant bird, right?、Oh. And so she flies down, and she sort of helps the yellow emperor, and she calls out this dragon to come and to come and help him. So this so this dragon comes. So now the yellow emperor has a goddess on his side, a dragon, and the compass car.、Oh. <laughs> okay, and then he goes back into battle, and this time he wins, and def- he defeats Shio. And kills him, cuts off his head.、Um, and the at this moment, when the alliance of tribes of the Yellow Emperor defeats the alliance led by Chiyo, this is kind of seen as the founding moment when the、um, when Chiyo's tribes, you know, either joined the Yellow Emperor's tribes or they fled. Farther south, and to to start to to start their own their own nations, kind of thing. And then this 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 unification. This is the moment of unification, and supposedly this is where you know this is the the new、uh, alliance of of peoples is now is is the germ of the future Chinese people. There's been a lot of.、Um, Controversy, or people in different time periods interpreted the myth differently.、Mm. So, does this is this only the Han people?、Mm. Is this only the the Han race, the lead the 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 majority ethnic group in China?、Mm. Is it only the Han race that springs、mm. from this this event to, to the extent that we can take it as historical? Well, it may not be. May not be so, because other uh, uh, Asian races have also traced their roots to this mythology. Oh, well, like yeah, who the Vietnamese? <clears throat> no, 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 not that I'm aware of. Not the Vietnamese. No,、um, the、uh, the Miao people. Miao people. Actually, well, they actually trace their roots to Chiyo. They believe、mm. they're descended from the Chiyo Chiyo's people. Okay, they are the people who. After they lost, they、mm. didn't want to join the Yellow Emperor, so、mm. they went farther south to、um, the area that 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 the Miao people are mostly mostly、mm. populated in southwestern China, what is now southwestern China. But in the um, the uh, during the the Song Dynasty, the Song Dynasty coexisted with the Liao Empire.、Mm. The Liao Empire was Khotan, so we're talking about eleventh century Khotan or Kitan. 
mm. um, people who formed their own empire, their own dynasty in northern China, contemporaneously with the Song Dynasty. They did their own scholarship, quote-unquote, and decided that they too were descended from the Yellow Emperor, the Red Emperor. It could be, because we're talking about things that are so far back, mm. right? Yeah. And, you know, and, um, and uh, the Yellow Emperor was said to have had, had I think, 25 sons. Mm. Now, that might, be, might not be literally sons. It might, not, it might be 25 tribes, right? You know? Mm. Um, and, of course, we don't know where they all went. So, like, they might have migrated north and became the Liao people or the, 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 the Kitan people. They might have this way or that way. Um, and, but, again, I, I, I circle back to imagine the communities, right? If people imagine themselves to have been descended from the Red Emperor or the Yellow Emperor, then they are, I guess. The ancient Romans imagined that they were descended from the ancient Trojans, from the Iliad, or the, the, uh, the Aeneid, the story of the Aeneid by Virgil, told a story about how the, the Trojans escaping burning Troy end up sailing to Italy mm. and founding Rome. Is this scientific? No. But if the Romans believed it, that, that creates a nation. Then it was important. Yeah, mm. that, that 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 there's a yeah, that's a foundation myth. Mm. So a lot of the other East Asian groups or even the inner Asian peoples that the Chinese encountered over time, they imagined themselves to also be descended from maybe only the Red Emperor or you know, or both, you know. So so <clears throat> The phrase Yan Huang Zisun became uh, popularized uh, <clears throat> during the period of sort of cons the construction of uh, modern Chinese nationalism in the late Qing era into the early Republic, when um, some people took it to mean really only the Han, the Han race, who wanted to overthrow the Manchus, right, as outsiders, foreigners. But then some people, people like Sanya said, were like, no, no, because we're now constructing a republic that has to be multi-ethnic. Mm. It has to be because China's always multi-ethnic. You can't just be like, no, it's only for the Han people. So, um, and in any event, over time, in, in past history, different races already traced their roots on their, in, in, you know, according to themselves. They, they've traced their roots to Chiyo or the, yeah, the the Red Emperor, the Yellow Emperor, right? So, so if we we can broaden this concept, or we can take it as a as a, a, a as a broader having a broader meaning, to be like, well, all these all these different ethnic groups can be deemed Yenhong Zisun, children of the, the Red and the Yellow Emperors. So it became this formula um, to talk about how we're. Oh, you know, we're all the same family, mm. you know, kind of thing. Um, but you'll see in 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 um, uh, in contemporary politics, you'll see contemporary Taiwanese politics. You'll see the KMT use this phrase, but you won't see the DPP use it because mm. it's not because they, they don't they don't want to F, they they want to de-emphasize mm. commonality mm. with. Yes. The mainland. Right, right. Whereas the KMT wants to emphasize that commonality. Say, well, let's not fight. 
You know, we're brothers, right? <laughs> you know? And the DP was like, are we though? You know, mm, I feel like mm, maybe we're not. No. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> so that's the story of the, the, the mythical founding of China, circa 2700 BC. Um, the story of ancient, ancient China is much more. It's, it's fascinating, and, and, and there's all these, like, like I was saying, all these new archaeological discoveries that um, you know, give us a fascinating picture. And um, even into the, the Warring States period, the Spring Island period, so even 2,000 years after, more than 2,000 years after, archaeological evidence shows, or um, well, other even, even textual evidence suggests that, um, that what... <laughs> We imagine China to have been this monolithic, culturally monolithic thing, mm. when really, as 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 recently as you know the Warring States period, there might have been pockets of non-Chinese, just you know culturally completely different, you know pockets of non-Cynic culture in what is now China, in uh, just like little kingdoms, little you know statelets. Where we you know, you dig up, you dig up archaeological remains, and you're like, "What the hell is this? Like, what? I don't. This doesn't look Chinese at all. You know, this is Mayan, <laughs> or or whatever it is." All right, that's that's for later, I think. So anyway, so this is the story of the mythic founding of China and how it informs modern Chinese nationalism. This has been MODG. Thank you for listening.